Hey, How are we doing today? Good. You? I'm doing awesome. My name is Jason. And My name is Craig. <laughs> now, this is a little podcast we like to call The Bunny Rabbit's Hole. And if you got to hear our first episode, then you would have heard me screw that up. And now, this is a <laughs> podcast, but uh, we just like to explore topic. And then uh, we talk about that for a little bit and we just let it take us off on rants and tangents. And we, uh, then we'll come back to that one when we hit the end of the hole. Right. Yep. Hence so the bunny rap. Today, Craig? today we're going to talk about pop culture or as you and I called it when we were kids, cool shit. Cool shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was to us. Exactly. <laughs> pop culture. All right. I like it. I like it. So we might as well, well might as well get this out of the way. We're both uh, forty plus. So when we refer yeah. to pop culture in our, in our childhoods, it's the late seventies, early early eighties, up up into into the nineties when we finally hit uh, adulthood. Right. Well, when legally we became adults, we never really grew up. So. Right. We could drink in the nineties. Yes. <laughs> of course, we drank in the eighties. We just had to be careful about it. <laughs> And we snuck some in the 70s, but we won't go to there yeah. because our parents would get in trouble. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I guess when you think of 80s pop culture, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Uh, to me, I always think of uh, when I, I started with pop culture, uh, I rem- remember um, TBS was a huge like superstation. They were like, uh, they're still out there. TBS are big for basketball and stuff like that. But they used to have this show on Friday and Saturday nights called Night Tracks. It was nothing but uh, music videos. And that was before MTV hit our area. Right. And we used to, it didn't start to like 11 o'clock at night. I mean, it went to like four in the morning, but we'd stay up until four in the morning, Friday and Saturday nights watching this. So, you know, you, you got to watch all these different uh, music videos, which right. if that music came out now, it'd be bullshit. Right. But, well, I mean, for me, I, didn't have TBS because I was out in the country. We had three channels, but mm-hmm. it was on Channel Five. It was Friday Night Videos, and that's I what remember. they called it. It's a thing. <laughs> but yeah, so and that was the same thing. It was on that late at night, and usually, you know, TV would cut out back then at what midnight or one o'clock. Yeah, you get the Star <laughs> Spangled Banner, going. and then it would shut down, and then you just look just at like the Poltergeist screen. Yeah. <laughs> go into the light, Carolyn. Go into the light. Fuck you, bitch. You go in the light. <laughs> right, just get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, for me, the first thing that pops into my head when I think of a pop culture from the late 70s, 80s, Star Wars. Oh. I mean, Star Wars is, you know, arguably the largest thing that came out of that time period. Yeah. And still carries on today in a different version of it. <laughs> Just think of the thousands of dollars really that we drew up in our sandbox. Oh yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Bubba Fett. Boom. <laughs> the, the firecrackers, the M80s and the BB guns. <laughs> no, the BB guns. That was a lot of fun. The little oh, one pump Daisy, uh, Daisy uh, BB guns were the best. Cause they yes. were fun so long. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I got one right in the forehead too. That was not fun. But, no, but you I, know, uh, with Star Wars shaped how a lot of us uh, viewed how one a how movies were done, b how we we thought about characters on uh, on screen. Even though 
when you think about it, the story isn't original. I mean, it's been redone so many times. Orphan boy learns from an old, <laughs> old man that he's got mystical powers, leaves his family. They ended up, you know, I guess dying. In his case, they did. Then gets a little more. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we've seen that story so many times. I mean, uh, Lucas has come out and said that he's actually stolen it from like the Seven Samurai series and in the, the spaghetti westerns. But well, I mean, you look at the big movies from the 80s, you have Star Wars, The Karate Kid, same premise. Right. <laughs> you know, or from or No Father figure goes to see Mr. Miyagi, has to catch flies with chopsticks. But, and <laughs> no, and but, that, that same story evolved. I mean, it did, well, it didn't really evolve. It just grew into bigger franchises. I mean, Harry Potter is the same fucking story. I mean, yeah. a, a creepy old man, in this case, Dumbledore comes and tells him that you're, you're a wizard, Harry. And then now, now he gets to hang out with other kids in another mystical land. And then uh, his aunt and uncle, I, uh, did they die? I don't know. I don't, I, you know what, I, I got through a few of the movies, but then just completely lost interest. Mm. Be, my wife says they didn't die. <laughs> I'll be that dick. They just didn't like Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read the books either. But, I mean, but if you look back at it, though, not only did Star Wars, you know, do that story, but they also launched what was known as the Trilogy. You know, they were the first set of movies to really have that three-part series. And, you know, from there you got Indiana Jones, you got Back to the Future. All these went on and on and on for sequels. Yeah. So the sequel became a a thing. You couldn't have a second one. Right. You had to have a third to finish the story. And then some, like Police Academy, you get up to like six of them. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's like, what, Police Academy 14, Police Academy meets Jason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's you another thing you might as well meet. Pop, you might as well meet Bobcat Goldthwait, right? <laughs> right. I mean, uh, you think of pop culture '80s, you, you automatically go to those horror movies too: Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, Hellraiser. Oh, especially in our childhood, because we watched every single one of those. <laughs> I spit in your grave, which to this day I still shouldn't even watch that movie, but I watched. I mean, it's like you a remember- enough film. It, there's no yeah. reason I should have watched that at like 11 years old. No. When you were watching some chick bite off some guy's dick in self-defense at, at, at 12 years old, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but today, the, it's still fucked up. <laughs> but the, the horror genre, I think, is when you, know, when you really get into the 80s, that's, um, that really, uh, it, it really solidified pop culture at that time because you had movies like nightmare on elm street which actually uh translated over into having these soundtracks with bands like dokken doing you know some really weird uh dream warriors track yeah. from, you know in reference to freddy krueger but it kind of blended all of these things and then that came back into these grandiose videos that they used to make with mm-hmm. you know the horror theme involved i mean some of these videos that they used to make like like Jonathan Landis directing Thriller for Michael Jackson was huge. Right. He just got done doing uh, American Werewolf in London. And it's like, yeah, why not? I'll do a 15-minute Michael Jackson video. Right. Well, I mean, you look at it, too. I mean, not only did all of a sudden we, we had these bad guys, but we had bad guys with personality. I mean, before that, we had 
you know, Dracula, we had the Wolfman and stuff like that, but there's no real personality. Now all of a sudden you got Freddy Krueger who's cracking jokes while he's slicing you up, you know? Yeah. So now we, we, we developed this character that they never really bothered with before that, but they, they want you to be enthralled with the character, but still root against him. Exactly. And if, if Freddy Krueger would, would have been done back in like the fifties, he would have been knife hand man. Right. right. Because everything was man. I never understood that. Same with the same with superheroes. It's like everybody says something, something man, something man, something right. man. You know, if you just kind of yep. look at it and you're uninitiated, you'd think that all these are a bunch of Jewish superheroes. You got superheroes. <laughs> Aquaman. You know, I think of the eighties. That's another thing, you know, that pops up is comic books because comic books in the eighties. I mean, I look at things like comic books as soap operas for, for teenage boys in the eighties. Yeah. Because of the storylines like, and everything. It, because the internet wasn't around yet. And it was almost like porn that you could get because of the way that these women were dressed and they, they right. the un- disproportionate size of, you know, breasts <laughs> to, you know, muscle size that they had was, it was, it was fun. Yeah. When realistically, if they were that muscular, they would have virtually no breasts. Yeah. <laughs> And they would freeze to death. Right. <laughs> but, but I mean, no, go ahead. Oh, but what, going back to the comic thing, it's, it's funny because we read a lot of comics back, back then, but then I took like, like a 15 year hiatus where I didn't read, like I stopped it about the time that I graduated high school. And then, you know, a few years before, um, the iron before iron man came out and they started the whole mcu movies i started catching up I'm like oh if they're going to create this whole thing and eventually lead up to avengers i kind of want to know some of the stories and then they're bringing out characters that i thought were secondary that are now going to be you know major players like uh like black panther i wanted to yep. start to get to know so i started reading a bunch of graphic novels and started catching up really quick then i started realizing like they did a massive reboot at one point in time because Yep. Nick Fury used to be a white guy that's that that chewed on a cigar like Howard the Duck. Right. So when did I? I don't remember. It's cool, but uh, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson was a perfect uh, Nick Fury, but I missed that memo. And then there was a yeah. few other things like uh, uh, Johnny Storm is no longer Sue Storm's brother. Or something. yeah, that one. I that one lost me too. You know, <laughs> I I I got lost because. Like you, I mean, I read, I went past high school. I went to probably like my mid twenties and then stopped. Um, but back then it was still all the same and none of that stuff had changed. But again, they had that reboot and they changed all the characters. And I mean, and that's just it. They're constantly rebooting now. And that's why, you know, comic books are kind of disappearing. I mean, between, you know, digital comics and manga, um, it's kind of killing off the comic book scene for Marvel and DC, you know, cause they're so focused on movies now that their comics have to be related to the movies because otherwise all the internet nerds get pissed off and, you know, <laughs> right. are spamming them and blasting them. And, you know, because they can't just separate, okay, this is just a movie. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like characters like Quicksilver, I'm still confused on him because in, in the Avengers movie, he's, you know, he's uh, Scarlet Witch's twin brother. Mm-hmm. And in, in the uh, X-Men movie, he's he lives alone, but he's still Magneto's son. But they were Magneto's son 
and daughter back then. And, you know, so there's a lot of storylines that are just, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't read the whole time, so I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and I, I, read, watch, I watch a lot of these, com- I've been watching a lot of these comic book YouTube videos and stuff like that. Like some of these guys really know their story and they can really yeah. lay the stories that are in these things very well. It's like, I don't even have to read it anymore. I can just watch this, this guy explain the whole, the whole thing to me. But then when I get done, I'm like, I'm glad I, ju- I'm glad I just watched, you know, 45 minutes of this guy explaining this whole, this whole story because I don't have the time to read that much and I don't have, <laughs> I don't want to invest that kind of money into buying them all because yeah, not- to going back in the day when, well, how, why I really got out of it was all the alternate covers. Like I don't care yeah. about the covers. Oh, yeah. well, you know, they're, they're going to be worth something someday. Not if they made 30 million of them. And they're still not worth anything 20 yeah. years later. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like baseball cards. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's, that's where Marvel started going downhill and that's where they started losing so much business because of all these alternate covers and all this stuff like this. And that's why they started rebooting everything because, you know, they had, they pissed off their fans because why do I have to go out and, you know, buy all these different copies of the same freaking comic book? I was, talking to my wife the other day I said you know what I'd really love to do I'd like to win the lottery I'd like to go out and buy Superman number one you know the mint condition in that pristine you know plastic thing with the graded and everything I'd like to go to a comic book convention sit down cut that fucker open and sit there and read it in front of all those geeks <laughs> I'm like you know how many people would be pissed off and she's you know like she's like well what's that cost I'm like ah let's just say it's, it costs two million bucks I said, after I'm done reading it, it'll be worth a million, but it'll be funny. <laughs> you probably got to got it from Nick Cage at a, at a discount before right. his, his tax sale. Right. But I mean, they, they, they've done so much to it and they've changed the storyline so much. I can't keep up with it. I tried, I tried to get into, into them recently and it's just like, I don't know where the fuck they are. I'm like, now we have, uh, Thor's old girlfriend Jane Foster's um, Wolverine's daughter becomes a female Wolverine. Um, he's got a son that we never knew anything about, and he—I mean, it's just all this stuff. And they're going, "Where? You know, I was reading all this shit when these guys would have been. What, what the fuck happened?" <laughs> <laughs> and then my son—he starts telling about. It. He's like, "Oh, well, they're from dimension such and such, and these are from dimension such and such." I'm like, "Oh, for fuck me!" <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll just watch the damn. <laughs> if you're going to get into interdimensional and multi-dimensional uh, characters like that, I just want to stick with Rick and Morty. Okay. Yep. That's, you know, there's infinite Ricks, there's infinite Mortys and yep. they all Rick's a dick in every, every dimension that works for me. Except for the one dimension where he came Morty's father's friend. Right. Yeah. Or whatever he was. <laughs> the, the slow Rick. Slow Rick. That's it. But you know, something else that the eighties movies, did um and there it, it started before the 80s but i mean they really caught on the 80s with, was those cult classic movies like the toxic toxic avenger oh yeah like the trauma films yeah yeah you know they launched they, they created that cult 
couple like um what was that other one on R- river's edge with like river phoenix that was a great movie with uh yep. yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of great people in that like uh daniel roebuck and uh um, was it keanu reeves in that too yeah and uh was it crispin glover yeah yeah was in that but i mean it, it launched you know those those cult classics and stuff like that and i mean it obviously i mean also from the 80s you get movies that you know now even the people's kids are like, I love that movie. You know, like, like the Goonies, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the, that, that show will, will, will just, it'll outlive us. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's, I mean, it's not really the greatest show. It's a good show. It's a good feel good show, but people dig it and people are always going to dig it. Yeah. You know, but I mean, movies, the movies from the eighties, uh, I mean, I mean, you look back, you're thinking like, when you, when you think of movies from the 80s, the ones that pop out are like Star Wars, Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, Jaws, and all the other Jaws movies, yeah. you know? Not but, the third one, that fucked up 3D shit. Yeah, I never got into that. But then you go into, like, then you also have the counterculture to, like, Star Wars being Star Trek. I mean, because the Trekkies, if you talk about Star Wars to the Trekkies, they're liable to gotcha. They're going to just dis- disembowel you on the spot. It's it's funny. I have a I have a friend whose wife is a Star Trek fan, and he's a Star Wars fan, and they're about to have a kid. <laughs> they're going down all these different names. I'm like, well, wait a minute, because one's a Trekkie, one's into Star Wars. How about Han Luke Picard? <laughs> no. But I mean, yeah. So for us, I mean. Think of all the catchphrases from the 80s, right off the top of your head. I mean, one of the number one ones that pops in your mind is, where's the beef? Where's the beef? Yep. That, that was huge. little old lady in the Wendy's commercials. Pac-Man you know, Yep. And, I mean, you know, sit on a potsy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but they all had these catchphrases, and they're just not – they just don't have those as much anymore. And – when they do, they just they you know they're most of the catchphrases from today are like viral videos on YouTube. They're actually done like that one uh, one lady that say I ain't got time for that. You know, yeah. everybody was saying that forever, and nobody even knows who the hell this woman is. Or that really stupid thirteen year old catch me outside crap. Yeah. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to know. But I mean, you, you look back. There's and that we one have... that I find myself saying all the time: "Get off my lawn." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look back though, and we had shows like Alice. What What's the catchphrase from Alice? Kiss my grits. Yep. You got um, cheers. I mean, we're not necessarily catchphrase, but every time Norm walked into the bar, what Norm. happened? Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, we had those. We had these like iconic. TV shows. Um, I mean, that's when we all first met Michael J. Fox. Was in you know Family Ties. Oh, Family Ties. He's playing that little Republican, Alex P. Keaton. Yes. <laughs> you it, know, it's, that was actually one of the first um, sitcoms that tackled drugs. Do you remember that episode? Oh yeah, when he was he was taking the diet pills because he wanted to stay up and study. Yep. But do you remember when Tom Tom H- they also tackled alcoholism when Tom Hanks played their uncle? Oh, I don't remember that one. 
he was on there. Michael come Michael J. Fox's character come down and saw him going through the fridge, and he was started drinking maraschino cherry juice because it said alcohol in the in the ingredient. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, look, we also had like moonlighting when Bruce Willis was actually funny, and he had hair. Yeah, before he went on his action spree. <laughs> well, they actually were one of the first ones to do. I mean, I'm sure other shows had done it first, but they were the first one I remember to do like a throwaway episode because they did a, the Taming of the Shrew. Uh, you know, they did all of Shakespearean, and they were you know dressed up, and they did the whole. They did like a you know a whole episode based around around that play. You know, like this has no meaning on the rest of the on the rest of the series. And it didn't, you know, send this the story, but it was entertaining in the fact that it was it was different. And you know, a lot of other uh, shows have done it since then. Like it's always sunny in Philadelphia has done an episode, couple throwaway episodes like this. Yeah, but it's it's it, it was you know it was groundbreaking. Right. You know, and you think of, and I'm going to go on the catchphrases one because I'm just looking at my notes here, <laughs> and you know, I, I'll say the catchphrase you tell me the movie right turn Clyde oh my god you got me on that one fuck right out the gate Clint Eastwood oh yeah every which way but lose yep or any which way you can which was the sequel yep. <laughs> I forgot about that monkey actually it was yep. an orangutan was that what it was I can't yeah something like that yeah but I mean we had but we then had so many had, uh, there was that really shitty Tony Danza going ape one that was oh, yeah that was really bad. <laughs> so and not really everything t- from this time period that we're talking about was good. There was a lot of shit. Right. Oh yeah, there definitely was. I mean, we had the original Roseanne, which celebrated white trash. <laughs> yeah. And and I didn't like it then. I didn't like the reboot because I didn't even watch it. <laughs> I saw like part of an episode when it was on when the people in my family were watching it, but I didn't give a shit. So no, it just seemed it was loud, obnoxious and irritating. That's all I got from it. And it was just like, cause my ex-wife would watch it. I'm like, why are you watching this crap? I mean, it's just, I mean, you look at today and people are going, Oh, you're just getting participation, participation trophies. That's pretty much that entire show. (laughs) <laughs> Roseanne wants a participation trophy. <laughs> the, the she actually taught the world a lesson on that show, it, or actually it was not on the show, but about that show was the reason that near the end that she just didn't give a shit. She just mailed it in. Was uh, if you don't have your name on the pilot episode as creator of the show, you don't get creative light rights for the show. And they did a rewrite of the episode and she didn't get creative rights on the, that because somebody else changed the pilot episode that she had written and they got creative rights on the show. She did not. Oh, so nearly well, you know end, she didn't give a shit. That's why they ended up winning the lottery and they killed Dan and that, you know, they, right. they just didn't care anymore. Right. It's kind well, of like George Romero, not, you know, not getting any credit for, uh, Return of the Living or a Nightmare or Night of the Living Dead because right. that wasn't the name of the movie on the script. <clears throat> that was the name of the movie when it came out. So it wasn't his film, even though he shot it, he wrote it, he directed it, he produced it. 
it wasn't his film because they changed it at the 11th hour. Yeah, you got to love loopholes. Well, you know, that kind of brings me up to something modern that I want to touch on. Um, Tim Allen, Last Man Standing. Everybody's up in arms because this show got canceled, and they think it got canceled because of his conservative views. But in reality, it got canceled because he owned the rights to it, and they just couldn't afford to keep paying him. Mm. You know, and that kind of touches on that whole Roseanne thing with the not being, you know, labeled the creator. But it was it would cost them too much to keep producing these because they had to pay him so much for the episodes. And if you're not going to get the return out of it, why would you bring a show back? Right. Well, it was like everybody was up in arms when all the cast members from Friends signed a, a, a pact agreement that they'd all be paid a million dollars per episode. You know, it's like, oh, my word, that's six million dollars per episode. Well, a few years later, they're paying Ray Romano five million an episode just for him. <laughs> right. Well, and I think if we want to, I want to circle back here real quick. Um, talk about like, you know, you talked about the Nick Fury um, color change, basically. That's the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Um, Marvel and, and, you know, Hollywood had been nailed hard. Do you remember when they redid that, where they made that movie, Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah. And they had the white kid playing him. And that's when they got really nailed for whitewashing everything they did. You know, you know, they did the same, you know, comic books. Everybody's white. All the main heroes are white. Blah, blah, blah. They're doing that. So I'm okay with it. Especially Samuel Jackson's fucking great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he cracks me up. And he does a great job as it. Um, I think there needs to be more diversity and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I was thinking about this a while ago. You know, who else would I rather played Nick Fury? Well, not David Hasselhoff like he did back in the 80s. <laughs> exactly. So definitely Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, so we've touched, we've touched on movies. We've touched on comic books. We've touched on TV. I still got a lot of notes on all those. But, I mean, let's think back about, you know, there's the cartoons that we watched. I mean, back then, every Saturday morning from like 8 a.m. until noon, just blocks of cartoons on every channel. And if you were lucky, a monster movie afterwards. Right. Or if not, like after school. Like there was always the after school movie shows. We One week was Elvis. One week was, you know, Monsters. One week was Godzilla, you know. Right. But, I mean, we also had – I mean, we didn't – we didn't have all these things that keep us locked in the house. So we had to go outside a lot. <laughs> right. Well, and the, like you said, the only time we really got to see cartoons was for like a couple hour block after school before dinner and then Saturday mornings. Right. And, you know, so you really got to appreciate the cartoons that were on because that was it. Right. You know, even if they were bullshit, that was it. Yeah, we watched right. it like the Smurfs because it was the only fucking thing on. Right. And remember how excited we got when they created the Dungeons and Dragons com or cartoon? Oh, hell yeah. I bought that. Or I, my brother bought that for my son for Christmas a few years back, and we, we watched the first three seasons. Yeah, my, my brother bought it too. And, you know, because, I mean, that's another thing, you know, that has stood the test of time. Dungeons and Dragons, and when we played it, 
we played the basic version, and then we switched to the advanced version. Right. You know, now they're on the fifth edition, but you know, it died out for a bit, but then it's, it's made a huge comeback. So, I mean, that's something that we can talk about from the 80s pop culture, but also in today's pop culture. Oh, yeah. Role-playing is, is still huge. There's still, yeah. still conventions on, even though, you know, back when we first started playing, you know, games like Dungeons & Dragons, you know, they were owned by TSR, and Gary Gygax was still a big big player in the whole thing. But then it was, you know, it was a bought up by this company, like, I think it was bought up by Steve Jackson's games, and then it was bought up by Wizards of the Coast, and, yep. you, you know, it's, still own them. it's grown to the point where Vin Diesel wrote the, the, or the forward to the 30th anniversary edition of the Dungeon Master's Guide, you know, so it's, it's secretly been, uh, been in the, in the underlying pop culture all right. along, but when nerds became cool, not like Revenge of the Nerds, that big old uh, fiasco, rapist, and sexual assault, and right. That, but more like we'll big. Go, I'll go into that part of the of pop culture in a second. But uh, when nerds be started becoming popular, started becoming it was it's almost it almost became uh, cooler, you know, to to be you know, you know, bookworm, uh, stay in my basement, you know role play, all those things started coming to the, the forefront of society that role playing kind of actually lost its stigma. Right. And, well, you know, then, there, you know, with the advent of, you know, because of that, you started getting uh, shows like Big Bang Theory where, you know, nerds coming out of the woodwork. There's huge, there was always a popular nerd character in all the little kids shows. And so it's, it was an interesting little uh, tidbit flipping on society that the, the, the nerds rose to power without having to do any hijinks. Any point that made Dungeons when we were kids in the 80s? You repeat that. Uh, do you remember the, uh, the, big, the big scandal that made Dungeons & Dragons the devil's game back in the 80s? Oh, you mean like, um, was it Mazes and Monsters? Yeah. That, that movie where... <laughs> Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. Yeah, like Tom Hanks freaked out. Yep, and thought it was all reality. Yeah. I mean, it was based off a true story. I mean, no matter what you do, you're going to have one person that goes off the rails with it. You have that in anything, though. You have people like uh, that go too far playing fantasy football. Right. That loses their wife and their it's kid big. because the dipshit won't stay off his phone trying to select his team for the following week. Right. Well, and a lot of that comes down to, and I think I summed it up really good in that conversation I had the other day, is all these people are going, oh, Dungeons & Dragons, you know, they're, that's what's wrong with my kids, or, or heavy metal music, that's what's wrong with my kid, or kids today, or violent video games. No, what it really comes down to is the parents not wanting a parent and using right. all the, the shit as, as babysitters for the kids. Right. And not taking responsibility for how their kids are acting. How about you get You know, to because, right. I mean, sit down with them, have a conversation, you know, play a game with them, do yeah. what they're interested in, what you're interested in. If you hate those video games so much, I bet you if you sat down and started playing it, you might actually enjoy it. Probably. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I'm not into it. I'll let him play them. I'll sit there and have a conversation with him. I play D&D with my kid, <laughs> you know, nice. but, no. but, you know, it's fun. <laughs> my son and I listen to, listen to that devil music together. Mm-hmm. 
we go to a lot of them devil music concerts together. Yeah. Yeah. My, my oldest and I went to a couple, um, but here's an, here's another catchphrase one. What you talking about Willis? <laughs> Man, I really miss different strokes. Yep. <laughs> I would have loved for them to all not die or just <laughs> and and to see like a thirtieth anniversary. Yeah. Just to see how they're all doing. But right. it's weird that to think that Dixie Carter, the the like the stepmom later in the later in the thing, ended up living longer than two of the characters. Two of the right. cast members. Yeah, two of the younger cast members. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Todd, Todd, Todd Bridges is still up and kicking. Yeah, he's the only one though, isn't he? Didn't Gary yeah. Coleman pass away? Yep, he, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, Dana Plato. Uh, yeah, Plato. Yeah, yeah. She passed away after yep. his well, that, drugs. That yeah. Well, that's the other thing the '80s is famous for is um, destroying child actors. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're a kid actor in the 80s, by the 90s, you had either OD'd or you were so whacked out that you didn't even know your name. Yes. Or you were, you're so whacked out because you're hiding <laughs> horrors that you had to live through to get become a child actor, i.e. Right. Corey and Corey. Yeah, Corey Feldman, because Corey Haim's dead now. Yes. Um, but, I mean, there's – I mean, if you look back, back to the 80s, though, I mean, a lot of stuff that we watched – was well, no big deal to us because it just seemed normal. But if you look back at it now, you're like, what in the hell? I mean, look at like the Jeffersons are all in the family. Those two shows are just completely based off racism. The, well, yeah, that's it's funny because the Jeffersons came from all in the family because they had the Archie Bunker character who was just a bigot. Right. Like, you know, uh, he hated everybody. But then they brought in George Jefferson who was – the black version of Archie Bunker. And then they're right. like, what? That show's doing okay with a white guy. Let's bring this black guy. Let's throw him up in a, in a high rise in Chicago and call it, call it good. Right. But, you but know, that, was, and, that show was groundbreaking too, though, because that was one of the first shows that had an interracial couple. Yes. Yes. Which I thought was great. My parents didn't care for it, <laughs> but I thought it was great. Um, but I mean, you look back at that and you know some of these things that we watched you know like i was saying it, it didn't seem like a big deal to us but now that i don't know if we're, it's because we're more educated you know we're more aware of our surroundings but we look back at that and go how the fuck did they get away with doing that well like i'd mentioned the movie revenge of the nerds and yeah. that whole movie is based on the everything the nerds did they should have been arrested for they put mm -hmm. video cameras throughout the sorority house and especially in the bathroom and they sat yeah. around and videotaped them. Then yeah. they took screenshots of the video and sold a naked picture <laughs> of another girl. Then he rapes her because she thought she was about to have sex with her boyfriend. Right. Oh, surprise. <laughs> it's me under the Vader mask. Right. After we've had sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Back then, it's like, ha, 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 that's funny. Today, no, no. No. That's a and looking, Yeah, and looking back, I'm like going, okay, yeah, it's not that funny to me now either. <laughs> yeah, that, the, that line, that's my pie. That's like, no, that's, it, it was funny <laughs> back then, but. Right. And that's, I mean, there's so many other 
other references like that. I, you know, I'm picking on that, but there was like Porky's where the guy sticks his dick through the hole into the shower, the women's shower. Yeah. You know, seemed funny back then, but then again, I was like 13 when I first. Yeah. Yeah. Something. I don't remember. Well, and you know, also, you know, not really to justify it, but our brains hadn't fully developed by then either. We still had adolescent, prepubescent humor. Right, we're just happy to see boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Granted, dick jokes can still be funny, but (laughs) very true. Um, But you remember they also had, you know, and I'm going to segue here a little bit. um, TV shows that would bring all these famous actors together, and there was like two of them, two that stand out to me was The Love Boat and Fantasy Island. The plane, the plane, tattoo. They would always bring on these, you know, actors at the time, you know, and put them in these roles. And it was like, it was like a who's who of who's popular at the time. Right. It was almost like the, uh, like, it was almost like a game show where, you know, these, these, uh, like the 64 or the $65,000 pyramid or whatever the hell it was called. Yeah. Or Hollywood School. Yeah, with Hollywood Squares, or they bring these people on, but then they would they would bring these people on, and they would you know get their groove on on a boat. Yep, yep. Well, they actually had to act in these shows too, though. Right. <laughs> Unless you're Paul Lind, which he just walked around and was himself. Right. An asshole, but he was on like several episodes. Right. Well, and you know, you also you look back at these shows and. Um, these shows really, like, especially when you get to the mid or later 80s, that's, it started promoting music, too. I mean, look at, the one that sticks out the most to me is Miami Vice. And was it? Oh, yeah. You know, that do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> tons of Glenn Fry songs throughout that. And then Glenn Fry yep. actually is a guest starred in, a, in, a, in an episode. Yep. But, I mean, it just, and I think that was also kind of made, cop shows cool yeah well everybody thought they they all you know it's like i'm gonna go down to miami i'm gonna get my live on a sailboat and i'm gonna have an pet alligator and drive a a lamborghini right or a ferrari spider whichever whichever i I feel you know or we go early early seasons we'll go the ferrari spider we'll go later (laughs) lambo yeah and you know everybody's got the sweet outfits (laughs) or was it the no it was a ferrari testarossa that's what he had I was never a car guy, so I mean, I was, but I was like a high-end '80s car guy, so that was part of my pop culture back then. It's like I was never like a, I was never obsessed. I just hung out with enough people that would really enjoyed cars, so I kind of absorbed it. Well, you know, though cars were part of pop culture back then, which they're not necessarily now. No, not really. There's no staying power of a of a Toyota Tercel. I mean, if you look back at the 80s you know the the big car that that step sits out with like your people in you know middle america is the trans am yeah smoking you know, the bandit. yep smoking the bandit or i mean even more, a little bit more current movies more 90s but like billy madison he took you know he drove the trans am to high school because that's what was cool when he was our you know it, he is a exactly we yeah he had the speedwagon shirt yeah, <laughs> but it, it also back then. I mean, the segue into music, and you know, you had everything was like pop and top forty, and if 
like you want to listen to heavier rock, it was all underground. I mean, Alka yeah. was all underground. They didn't hit the radio until their album Injustice for All. Yeah. And that was their fourth album. But they had a huge following. There was, you know, there was tons of times that we'd go to record shops. Yes, record shops. Mm-hmm. And we'd flip through all the vinyl. And then we would honestly have to judge an album by its cover. Yeah. We're like, we took a chance because maybe we were, somebody had read about it in a metal magazine because that was really how you got most of the information back then. Right. We'd, we'd, we'd start flipping through and it's like, ooh, destruction. I'll try it. Right. <laughs> you know, or well, if me- it was a cassette tape or something like that. But then, you know, with cassette tapes, it was always, if you got one that was was cool, then you could high-speed dub it and give it to your friends. Right. Well, I mean, like, uh, back then we had Columbia House Records and we could order, you get one cassette for a dollar and then, you know, 30 cents for the rest of them or something like that. And, I mean, I remember going through and picking them out. and going, Taping the penny to the to the thing and the postcard and mailing it back. And, I mean, I remember I picked out, I'd never heard of them at the time, but it was Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. And I, so I get the tape in the mail. I'm listening to it. I listen to it. I'm, I'm really digging it. And then like a month later, it starts hitting the radio. Mm. But it has already been big in LA because we're like, you know, six months behind LA up here at that time. <laughs> <laughs> radio but, waves travel slow. Yeah. But then, it was, was it? Well, you know, but that was kind of, it was fun because there was no instant gratification. It's like, you 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 saw what your buddy had bought at the record store. You know what you bought. If you're sucked, you're like, well, maybe his wasn't so bad, so I can actually, you know, right. I'll, I'll at least get to listen to that one eventually. See, I was lucky because my mom had all these records, and she had good records. It was Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Rolling Stones, The Who. She had Tommy, you know, mm. and that's what I listened to growing up, where all my friends, like, like our cousins were list, had to listen to country <laughs> growing yeah. up because that's like Tommy James and the Shondells, Herman's Hermits, you know, Dave Clark yeah. Five. Those are the type of things that my parents listened to. But my mom liked bands like Heart and the Eagles, yeah. you know. So, but a lot of that stuff was more we listened to that on the radio, and she had all this other other stuff, right, on, on albums. Yeah, my mom was really into the what was happening now. <laughs> you know, but my mom was the youngest out of that whole group too. <laughs> yeah. But, but there were some other crossovers that happened in music back in back in that day. You know, you had a, a artist like Cindy Lauper who would brought in pro wrestling. Yeah. And there, you know, so she had people like Captain Lou Albano and Hulk Hogan and uh, Junkyard Dog and Andre the Giant all in her videos. Yep. For a little bit, so. That kind of brought all that around. And then that, you know, WWF, as it was called back then, was, you know, that was a whole, that was, that was a whole pop culture subject on its own. Yeah. That grew. I was never really a huge wrestling fan, but I respected what they created out of, out of the art that they did because I mean, I actually ate Mr. T's cereal because (laughs) he was, uh, he was on uh, WrestleMania and he fought the Junkyard Dog. And it's like, that's pretty damn cool. I want some TST. Yeah. 
Yep. Well, you know. I pity the fool don't uh, eat my cereal. Cindy Lauper was also on WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, and they that, that was a great crossover that helped promote both brands. You know, I mean, because I'm, I'm going to admit, one, one of my little guilty secrets is I like wrestling. Oh. I still watch. You know, but the the history of it, you know, the WWE, it's now the WWE, but back then it was the WWF. And it was at that time that um, Vince McMahon Sr. owned the company and that's, he created the WWF. And because back then there's all these different wrestling promotions and they all had their own territory. Mm. You know, Terry the King Lawler was like in the Mid-Atlantic territory, like the Mississippi area and stuff like that. Whereas Vince McMahon Sr. owned the New York area. And um, it was really, it was Andre the Giant that launched all that because they would bring Andre the Giant to all the different people's promotions. They would just, you know, he would be a surprise guest because they had this stuff built around him where he never lost. So they couldn't keep him in one foundation for too long because then it would just get stale because there was nobody to, nobody to wrestle him. Yeah. Nobody can beat him. So, you know, then they start bringing in this crossovers like, you know, Cindy Lauper, Mr. T. I mean, Mr. T actually boxed Rowdy Roddy Piper <laughs> in a wrestling match, you know, but I mean, it's, <laughs> But see it from there to what it evolved to now, you know, you had the WCW come on to Ted Turner wanted to compete with Vince McMahon. So he created the WCW, stole a lot of the WWF's people. And that, that could be an entire top show on its own. If you <laughs> to get into All right. I'm a little bit of a wrestling geek. <clears throat> no, that's fine. You know, but that was, that was something that was cool back then because not only was, was it uh wrestling, ingrained into our into our, our popular music at the time but it was also into our cartoons because there was there was the whole um a hulk hogan cartoon with they had all the, yeah. all the wrestling buddies there it yeah. was into like all of our product promotions it was it was in all of our car- commercials they had their own cereal breakfast cereals they, i mean it was in right. everything it was right. almost as but to go back to the very beginning when you of this episode, when you were starting to talk about um, what Star Wars meant to popular culture, they what Lucas did with Star Wars is he laid the foundation on how you market an empire. Right. And everybody else followed suit. And I think the next biggest uh, evolution of that was wrestling in the 80s when yes. – because it was in every, it was in, it was in our movies like Rocky. You know, yeah. Hulk Hogan was in Rocky, Rocky Three, I think it was. Yep. There was like a promotional thing about that they did in that, and, right. and then you know it was in, it was in our breakfast cereals, our toys, our, our shoes. <laughs> it was in everything. Yep. Even and those that hated wrestling couldn't get away from it. Right. Well, that's just it. Back in the eighties, if something was remotely popular it blew up into something huge. I mean, you look at, you know, the most popular video game from the eighties, Pac-Man. Yeah. Pac-Man again, got its own cereal, its own cartoon. It's plush own toys. Hit. Like, yeah. Pac-Man you know, fever, but it, it reached, I don't know if it reached number one of the billboards, but it was definitely high. Yeah. But I mean, and that's just it in the eighties, you know, if something got just remotely popular, they would just blow it up. But Again, we didn't have the instant gratification nation idea back then. That that developed probably the early to mid nineties. 
you know, nor did we have the amount of channels either. So we couldn't get away from it if we wanted to. It was on, you know, Pac-Man and My Little Pony commercials were on all the way through our G.I. Joe, our G.I. Joe cartoons. We couldn't get away right. from We couldn't switch and watch a different cartoon because there wasn't any. Right. And, you know, one, one thing that always stand the test of time, too, is the toys. I mean, you go back, the toys we played with, G.I. Joe action figures, He-Man action figures, wrestling action figures. Those things are still, you know, being used today. Stretch arms. Not necessarily. Yep. Not, well, I mean, He-Man figures probably aren't, but I mean, like the G.I. Joe's, they no, still they continue. There's actually a huge contingent out there of people that collect He-Man figures. Yeah, but they don't play with them. They collect them. They collect them. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't really care too much about the collectors. I mean, I get it. I understand it. But if I'm going to buy something, I want to either read it or play with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the whole point of it to me. I mean, you Back then, you know, it wasn't Xbox or PSP or PlayStation. It was you had Atari, you had Nintendo, or you had a Sega. At first, it was just Atari, Atari yeah. or Intel, and, and television, or they had the the, the short-lived ColecoVision too, which yeah. was really shitty. And then it expanded on into Nintendo. Nintendo was probably mid to late '80s, and Sega come out in their '90s, I think. Yeah. Um, but you know. In Atari, it was like you had Donkey Kong, you got Pac-Man, you got Defenders, and you got the one where you shoot the asteroids. <laughs> I mean, those were the big ones. And then, you know, so that was the other thing. If a movie was good, they tried to create a video game out of it, and then they failed completely with E.T. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that, that game. I remember my one of my best friends – growing up his mom bought him the et game because that, that was i mean et was everything Every, i mean we ate reese's pieces by the ton we yep. just love et right so he got the video game it's like oh man i know your family's gonna hang out and play it but can i at least come over and watch you know that was still a thing it's like yeah i may not get my turn but i just want to see it played i want to check it out right. you know tell my friends that i'd seen it you know so i go over to richie's house and his brother puts it in and then he starts walking around. He's like, I don't know what to do. And they like hits this dark green spot and all of a sudden he falls into a hole. Like, <laughs> that's stupid. So he start and starts figuring out his head lifts and all of a sudden he starts floating and he fell in the hole again. And it was like 15 minutes of this trying to get out of the hole and then the timer finally ran out. And then he, his brother Jamie just gets pissed, throws the controller down. His mom yells at him. He takes off. So then Richie picks up the thing. He's, same fucking thing. Time to wrap. <laughs> like, wow. I don't really want to go home right now because it's kind of rude to say, yeah, I just came over to see the game, not you guys. But right, that game was yeah. terrible. I was lucky enough to avoid it. And the, <laughs> I've never the had Jones game for the Atari was ridiculous too because I never even knew it. I didn't know what a Titsy Fly was. But <laughs> all of a sudden, it's a it's like the biggest villain of like video game history because you can't destroy it. It doesn't go away and it just sits there, hovers around you and kills your life. Right. And so you go to the, back then you had to go to the, the library. You had to look up an encyclopedia to find out what the damn Titsy fly was. And I'm like, really? It's like a, it's a vicious fruit fly. And that's, that's the big enemy. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, when you think of movies from the eighties though, you mean you had, 
I mean, every, every, I'm going to say every decade. So like the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands had their big stars. And for us in the eighties, it was Eddie Murphy because he was still funny. Oh yeah. You know, we had Eddie Murphy. We had, um, Harrison um, Ford. Harrison Ford. We had, um, Mel Gibson before he went crazy. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I mean, weird thing is Tom Cruise and now Tom Cruise again, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, Top Gun, one of the huge films. I'm going to admit this to the world right now. I have never seen Top Gun. You're lucky. <laughs> A lot of people from my generation loved it. I, my, my brother stopped me one time. He's like, how did I was, that even work? How, he's like, how did that work? How did you not even accidentally see it or anything like that? Just, whenever it was on, I changed the channel. I just, yeah. I don't know. And I don't even, see, my feelings of Tom Cruise aside, I think he's fucking weird. And I don't, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Scientology or what they stand for, what they do to people. But that's a whole other episode we'll do later down, down the line. <laughs> I like his movies. He's, he's been in a lot of movies that I've liked. You know, there are yeah. a lot of those movies that are guilty pleasures of mine. Like, the, yeah, I'm glad there's another Mission Impossible movie coming out because I, for some reason, I think him and Simon Pegg work great together. Which yeah, is they do, funny. don't they? <laughs> but I've, enjoy, I've enjoyed his movies over the years, you know, but. I even liked his Mummy remake. Yeah. You know, but yeah, real life, he's fucking loco. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you, you think about the other. I mean, I'm, I'm bouncing God, around. He, here. Ruined, he <clears throat> ruined Katie Holmes for me. That shouldn't have happened. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, because back in the 80s, I mean, he had some, like, Cocktail. I liked that. I, I did like that movie. And Risky Business. Yeah, both great movies. And I loved them in The Outsiders, too. Oh, yeah. Outsiders, yeah. that's a fantastic movie. Yeah. But I, I wasn't a big fan of Top Gun. And then I never saw a Top Car or Days of Thunder. Right, I haven't either. Um, but you know, my all—I'm going to say my all-time favorite movie from the '80s is *The Dead Poet Society*. Really? Yep. It was the very one. I was going to say it's one of the first or second movies where Robin Williams plays a straight guy. Mm-hmm. You know, not—I mean, not not like gay straight. I'm talking about like funny, funny, yeah. not funny, more drama. He played a serious character. And that movie touched me on a level that no other movies ever touched me. I mean, back growing up, uh, at the time it came out, I was like 16, and we just moved into town. And like, you know, two blocks away from me was this theater called the Broadway Theater. And at that time, when movies would come out of the regular movie theater, they'd go there and you could watch them for a dollar fifty every day that week. That Dead Poet Society was in there. I went in there and watched it. That's awesome. I did the same watch thing with the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but I mean that to me that was the standout movie and there's another movie I'm pretty sure you and your brother watched it with me and my brother but it's like for me and my brother it's one of the it's it's our cult classic from the 80s that was Time Bandits oh yeah love that movie because well I don't know what we're supposed to call them but I'm calling them what we call them then midgets you had midgets you were gold <laughs> okay alright <laughs> I have a theory about the little people. Okay. Whenever you see one randomly, you're going to have a good day. I remember that. 
Um, but there, there's a couple of caveats to it. One is you do not befriend the little person, <laughs> midget or whatever. You do not befriend them because then it, it backfires. And two, right. you never make eye contact if it's a female because you get punched in the face, not by the female little person, but by somebody else randomly later in the night. Right. Those are two caveats to the whole thing. But otherwise, if you see one, you can have a good day. You remember when we lived in Pittsburgh? Yes. Every day driving to school, unless we were late, we always saw that, okay, I'll go little person in the three-piece suit. Yes. You remember that? Yes. And we saw him, we were having a great day. Yeah. But those times, he, man, well, those we, days. If we were running late, then no, it didn't work. He, he was, was my hero. Our schedule what it really happened. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, but we think back to the toys of the 80s, and these toys, that's when they built toys tough. I mean, you remember the Tonka trucks? Oh, hell yeah. These things are solid metal. You could you could kill somebody with one. We tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we tried blowing them up. You can't blow them up. They were indestructible. Okay. This is the difference between toys built today and toys built back when we were kids we used to shut the lights off in the basement of your mom's house. Yep. And it was my brother and his brother and Craig's brother on opposite sides of the whole basement. And we'd build like forts and all the windows were blacked out. So when you turn the lights off, it was completely dark, but then it became dodgeball in the dark with these <laughs> toys. And you didn't always know what was coming at you. No. Until it hit the paneling on the wall behind you. Yep. Well, I, one, my, I, I don't remember if it, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was your brother that threw it, but I got hit square in the face with a boxing glove that was just <laughs> hurled as hard as he could throw it. Hits me square in the face. And all of a sudden I got like night vision. I could see the whole room. I'm like seeing stars, but it lit up the whole room. I could tell. It was, I felt like I was fucking daredevil for a minute because I could tell where both of them were. I, I think I'm bleeding, but I can I can see the room for, for a split second. Well, and it would never fail. My brother would always get hit in the nuts. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. That is a it, bad memory like to have in childhood of your brother's groin getting attacked, but. <laughs> and he would always get so angry about it. That was just crazy. But, I mean, I look back on the 80s as with a lot of fond memories. I mean, but, I mean, like the toys they had were so iconic, too. I remember you had the Cabbage Patch Kids. You had Hot Wheels. You had the Big Wheel. You had the action figures. They had Teddy Ruxpin, Slinkies, you know. And all these toys, you could beat the shit out of them, and they still continued to work. You could not hurt a Teddy Ruxpin. I'm Because – we had a friend who used to kick his sister's Teddy Ruxpin down the stairs all the time, and that damn thing would still play music. They never put anything other than like like music cassette tapes in it, right? And Teddy couldn't keep up, right? But uh, it was it, which is uh, that's a funny story in itself. But but that thing was built like a tank, right? Well, and another thing about uh, the eighties that I really miss and I wish our kids had more of it today arcades yeah you know we kind of have something here where I live it's a place called game go computers where you can go in and spend like 
things like five bucks an hour and play video games like on the Xbox, on the PlayStation, or something like that. Yeah, it's we cool. have a few of those out here like that. But or even like Game computer room. game. But I mean, we used to have tons and tons of arcades growing up, and then we had spent so much time there and so many quarters there. This is gonna say a lot about <laughs> me as a as a person and my feelings towards camping. But some of my best memories of camping as a child was the arcade game or the little arcade shed that they had next to the Mm. general store in our campground. Yep. (laughs) That was more fun than the actual camping. Right. Because no matter what we did, we would piss our parents off. So it was easier just to be away from them. Right. (laughs) But I mean, our tent's leaking. Shut up. (laughs) Suck it up. (laughs) Go to sleep. But I'm in two inches of water in here. Right. And I mean, the, the weird thing too is like I, you know, for one, I don't care anymore because I'm bald. But like the hairstyles from the eighties. Oh man! That's <laughs> rat tails, mullets. It's, you know the flock of seagulls. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, for me, I had, I didn't necessarily have a mullet. I just had really long hair that was all the same length, and it was like halfway down my back. And then I lost all my hair, but. You know, I would. I don't even know what the popular hairstyles are anymore. I couldn't even tell you. I'm I'm noticing different colors, and I think that's kind of cool. But we started that in the '80s. <laughs> yeah, well, different colors is it's it's mainstream. Like there's it there in the school that I work at. There's tons of teachers that have purple, pink. One lady's got a blue mohawk. You know, but it's it's acceptable, and you know, and that when I was a kid, right. my, there's no way my teacher was going to have a mohawk. Right. Uh, I mean, being in high school with hair that long, I was always looked down on, and you know, it was assumed that I was on drugs and stupid because my hair was so long. I I had the whole Steven Seagal thing going, where I was back in a ponytail. I looked like <laughs> a an Italian a, Italian hitman. <laughs> You know, but a man. I look more like uh, I'm gonna go with uh, more like somebody from Metallica or something like that with the hair all all straight and all long. Um, actually, more like Alice Cooper probably. Oh. <laughs> but I didn't have the you know I didn't I didn't have the the mobster that clothing style. By you know, right. That, that wasn't me, but it was weird because when I was like in eighth grade, I definitely had a mullet. But I didn't have a permed mullet like most of my friends did. I did. <laughs> that was before it all went. I grew it all out because I I no sooner got home from having that mullet, they say don't wash your hair or wash it out or the the perm. I hopped in the shower as soon as I got home to wash that shit out because I was looking at it they're going, what the fuck did I just do? <laughs> there was there was so many people I went to school with that had that. I'm like. So the point of growing your hair out is to grow it out. Mm-hmm. Why are we going to like make it curl and shrink up so it's like this matted rat's nest on the back of your head? And I did it to make it like nice and tight, and then we're just going to have like cotton balls. Right. See, I did it to make my mom happy because I, wa- I didn't want my hair cut, and she's like, well, let's try this. I'm like, all right. But, man, once I saw it, I was like, fuck this. <laughs> Then I went, you know, wash it out, then grew it all out, and it got re- got really long. I, 
hell, I had longer hair than most of the girls in my school. Hmm. And back then, girls had long hair. <laughs> there was no way I had taller hair than any of the girls in my school, though. No, I couldn't do that. Because there, have, was, I, there was the great. monster. My sister yep. had the monster. And you remember, you, you remember the wave? Shit, yeah. Like a lot of people had the sacrifice cans of Aquanet to this thing, and everything yeah. else too. She had, she put like mayonnaise and beer and all this other shit in her hair. It's supposed to make her get volume. <laughs> like we're spending more on groceries for her hair than we are for us to eat with here. Come on, let's let's figure this thing out. I think I remember which sister that was too. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, but if you go back and this is what I find that pisses me off today is what they call the music today. It, it's hair rock. Remember what we called it? Bitch rock. <laughs> well, or glam, no, it was rock. Glam, glam rock or poser rock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your bands like poison and you know, all that. Boy, it's just, I mean, Jackal. And- right. I mean, I mean, you look at like bands like Def Leppard became that, but what, you go back to their roots where they started. They were great when they started. Oh yeah, their and first then you, albums are really good. High and Dry is a great album. Yeah, and then you go into like Pour Some Sugar. I mean, all that crap. I'm like, oh man. When, when, okay, so I bought their album Hysteria the day it came out, and I only heard that I don't even remember what I think it was. Pour Some Sugar. I mean, was that that's the name of this? I think that was the track that they released at that time. Like, uh, they have to have one commercial song on there. So, does that, and no, the whole thing. Yeah. Even my buddies that came over, oh, we're going to listen to the new Def Leppard album. All right. Jason's got it on vinyl. Huh. It was such yeah. a letdown. And see, I had a bunch of friends that just loved it. And they were trying to talk me into going and seeing Def Leppard and ACDC. And I'm like, I wouldn't pay money for either of their albums. Why the hell would I pay money to see them in concert? Because I'm, I was that rare person growing up in our age. I hated ACDC, well, and I hated that Leopard. <laughs> every fucking party I went to in high school was they two albums got played: ACDC's "Back in Black" and Garth Brooks' Greatest Hits. So we oh. go from "Back in Black" <laughs> to "Friends in Low Places," right? And it like. Apparently, across the the entire spectrum of musical taste to everybody, because nobody ever bitched about the music, because it was just yeah. standard. It's like, so what are you listening to now? More <laughs> girl books. Okay. Oh, great. Whereas for me, I mean, my first concert was when I was 15 years old, and these are three bands that you couldn't even hear on the radio at the time, and that was Dio, Megadeth, and Sabotage. Right, right, and and okay. Yeah, you would never. Yeah. <laughs> no. Other, I mean, than, Dio, uh, other than hearing he, Man on the Silver Mountain, you definitely wouldn't have heard any of them on the on the radio at that time. Right, but that was Mont- more Montrose at the time. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't Dio, that, but he sang on it. Right. Yeah, or maybe one of his Black Sabbath songs that when he was with Black Sabbath. But you didn't hear his solo stuff, and his solo stuff was by far the best stuff. And, you know, me being a 15-year-old kid, I'm up front, and, you know, I'm doing the cross devil horns at Dio, and he points down at me and does it back, and I'm like, ah! You know, now I know why girls threw the panties at these guys back then. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ah, that's so fucking cool! (laughs) 
I got recognized. Five foot two guy did some devil horns back at me. But I mean, they uh, they had probably the best stage show I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I I would say it would compare it to an Alice Cooper one, though I'd never seen it live, but I've seen tape versions of Alice Cooper shows. But I mean. Craig Goldie, the lead guitarist at the time, is doing this guitar solo and his mechanical spider's coming down from the ceiling and he's shooting lasers on the end of his guitar in it. This dragon head comes out and breathes dry ice out on everybody. And it was just like, this is fucking awesome. But, you know, that man had, yeah, he's five foot two, but he owned that fucking stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was, your, that was your first concert. Mine was also when I was 15. But it was Ted Nugent, Pat Travers. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I win. <laughs> Whiplash Bash yeah. on my 15th birthday. Woohoo, Saginaw Civic Center. Yeah, but my two follow up concerts aren't much better. It was um, well, Joan Jett in the Blackhearts. I've seen her. Then, Good show. Yep. But then the Club MTV tour with Millie Vanilli. Ooh. You know what, though? That's ironically great. Because knowing what you know now about Millie Vanilli, that's actually awesome that you got to witness Rob and Fab lip-syncing in front of the world playing that arena. Yeah. Everybody thought, girl, girl, I know it's true, or you know it's true, Mm -hmm. and it was all a lie. Yep. (laughs) So ironically, that's actually not a bad show. Well, what irritated me is, okay, I had a crush on Paula Abdul. She wasn't there for that show. But Information Society were actually really good. Right on. And so was Was Not Was. Oh. But then then was Millie Vanilli. Then Tone Loke came on. I got through two songs and we left. Gotcha. I wasn't into rap and Tone Loke was like the epitome of dumbing down music to me. (laughs) I'm going to talk about the dumbest things, and people are going to love it. You're you're not into funky cold Medina. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but you know, again, though. But back then, I had also grown up listening to stuff that most people didn't. Like I was a huge David Bowie fan before he was like doing the changes and stuff like that. But I mean, I'm Ziggy Stardust Bowie. Mm-hmm. You know, back when he was a little bit out there, and back you know, I love. You know, he can. He actually lived for two years on white milk, bell peppers, and cocaine. cocaine. Yep. What do you, How many albums did he do in those two years? It was something like three or four albums, and he doesn't even remember. He doesn't them. remember them. Yeah, that's just amazing, and they were phenomenal albums. But, <laughs> you know? but going back to the. Um, the amazing, amazing, or going back to your second concert, like my second one happened to be uh, Slayer and Testament, which nice. bands that you definitely wouldn't see or hear on the radio, and still to this day you don't hear them much. But uh, it was funny at, at that show because here I am, you know, I'm still 15 years old. This is January in Flint, Michigan. It's three, maybe four degrees outside. We have to wait an hour in line to get into this place. So we're all huddled, you know, and everybody's stupid. It's like nobody brings a shirt or a, a jacket because we're about to go into a, a metal show. Right. So we're all going to be squeezed together. Well, because it was Slayer, protesters showed up. So this big van pulls up. 
there and these people jump out and they're all dressed up like they're all their faces are painted like mimes but they're all coming out and they're doing this like happy dance thing we're looking i'm like i'm not even high i'm not <laughs> what the fuck am i looking at so they're like jumping around doing this like happy dance you know uh, and somebody goes oh don't you worry about things like the devil and a fifth guy jumps out and he's got his face painted red he goes like i'm the devil and it's like just the the corniest voice. I'm the devil. And here's, out of nowhere, don't even remember where the guy came from. He's like six foot eight, like three hundred pounds, stands over the top of the guy. Now this guy's only like five, six, five, seven, the guy claiming to be the devil. And this other guy jumps up and goes, I'm the devil. They all <laughs> jumped in their van and took off. We didn't get the rest of the play. I was pissed. <laughs> I never I never dealt with like that, but what always amazed me me when I went to these concerts when I was younger is watching people get fucked up at the concerts, you know, on drugs or alcohol or whatever. And, but halfway through the show, they're passed out. Yeah. I'm like, I paid $25 for this goddamn ticket. I'm watching the show. <laughs> I want to remember it. I went to a show with a guy once and I remember he was feeling it. He was pretty drunk. I was feeling it. So I thought, you know what? A little bit of food, sober him up a little bit. So I bought two hot dogs for him, two hot dogs for me, and then like halfway through the last this the the last band set, I looked down and all the hot dogs that were used to be in his stomach were now in his lap. Oh, he's slumped over. He's got this pile of hot dogs in his lap. I'm like, just stay there. <laughs> yeah, I just I never got that. I never understood it. I mean, to each their own, but I mean. But, I mean, when you think back to the 80s and you think of music, you know, the, the names that pop out because, like I said, all the metal back then, you know, for you and I, it'd be different than most people but because we listen to that underground music. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you got Michael Jackson, Madonna, Duran Duran, David Bowie, Journey, Cyndi Lauper, Prince, Bon Jovi, NXS, um, Van Halen slash Hagar, <laughs> yeah. you know, Skid Row, Poison. You know, Skid Row is more late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, but you know, going back to that too, something else that was pop culture that kind of uh, typified the '80s was the drug scene, because yeah. something that uh, came out of there was the um, high society's love of cocaine and mm -hmm. the urban area's love of crack. Right. But then they you know, they started to blend and it's like, there was no distinct markets for these anymore. It was just crack was everywhere. Coke was everywhere. And it was in right. what, just like with the toys and the marketing for these things, it was in everything. You had your, we had the president coming on and the president's wife declaring war on our own people over this stuff. You right. Know, Miami vice was all about taking down drug kingpins. You know, there was, the whole war on uh, cocaine wars going on, the cocaine cowboys and stuff in the in South Florida, and the influx of dollars that that stuff brought into these these areas. They built half of Miami on drugs. Right. Well, and the the touch on that. I mean, you talk about cocaine and crack. Okay, cocaine was a high society, but when these people spent so much money on cocaine that their money was drying up. Then they went to crack because crack was cheaper. Yeah. It was, you could get crack a hell of a lot cheaper than you could get cocaine. So then they would go 
you, you started with cocaine, then when you spent all your money, then you went to crack, because then you could just suck somebody's dick for it. <laughs> right. Like, like Bob Saget said, I don't think anybody's ever sucked somebody's dick for weed. Right. <laughs> Oddly enough, though, I saw a show where somebody did. <laughs> oh. I can't remember. Okay, history <laughs> oh shit! What? I can't remember the show, but it was funny. Anyway, but I mean, you look at that and like, then you look like sports. You know, our role models growing up were sports. You know, In, were. So something. That, oh, I'm glad you said that because something that's different from today's marketed athlete to. Uh, athletes from back then was our the athletes from our childhood didn't wear their jerseys so we knew who the fuck they were in their ad right there's a lot of these people and i even watch sports there's a lot of these guys that are in subway ads and uh you know car commercials and stuff like that i don't know who the hell they are unless they have their jersey on right i don't think you deserve a, a you don't you don't deserve a shoe if i if if i can't pick you out of a lineup right but also, I mean, exposure was another thing. Athletes back then didn't have the exposure that the athletes now do because we didn't have social media. We didn't have 70 million news channels or, or TV channels. I mean, ESPN came out in the 80s, but it didn't really get big until the 90s. Right. You know? But, I mean, you look at, like, for me, my role models were like Barry Sanders, Joe Montana, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, you know, name a few. I'm not going to say Michael Jordan because I couldn't stand him. I didn't really care for him back then either, so I respected his game, but I wasn't a fan. Yeah. He was kind of a crybaby and kind of a ball. <laughs> but, I mean, he uh, he made his team great, and I respect his abilities. He was a great ball player, but keep it because of him, Isaiah Thomas couldn't be on the dream team, and that really didn't set right with me. <laughs> yeah. You know, granted, I'm a Michigan person, so Isaiah was part of the bad boys of the Pistons, but but I mean Joe Montana. Let's let's go there because he everybody knew Joe Montana. Yeah. He didn't have to wear a jersey. He knew what his face looked like. They knew what his voice sounded like, and he carried himself with like this charisma, this charm that if he did something wrong, we never knew about it. And now that does something wrong, it's headlines instantly. And there's nothing about Joe Montana. For me personally, that screams I should like the man. He played for the 49ers and he went to school at Notre Dame. I should hate him. Right. <laughs> but see, I like the 49ers. <laughs> they were my team back then, them and the Redskins. Mm. And I think because I hate I've always hated the Cowboys. And you know, it just goes hand in hand. You hate Cowboys, you love the Redskins. Because <laughs> they were the two main competitors. Mm. But to me, the ultimate athlete from the eighties and probably the most humble athlete you'll ever meet, Barry Sanders. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. Also the best running back. I don't care what anybody says the best running back to ever play the game. Yes. You know, he had a shitty team in front of him. He had a shitty line in front of him and granted just to gain 10 yards, he had to run 50, <laughs> but you know, because he's back and forth, back and forth. Nobody could catch it. <laughs> he had some of the most exciting two-yard losses that mm -hmm. you'll ever see in your – and when 
he runs for negative yards and it still makes a Sports Center highlight, that's telling you something. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he also he got the end zone and he handed the ref the ball and walked off the field. Yeah. He didn't sit there and dance and do all that spike the ball or any of this other bullshit. He played the game with respect and love of the game. I mean, I get the spiking the ball. Like you're excited, you do it, you know, you're up. But to, to be that humble and to be his huge star like he was, to me, that, that says a lot about his character. Yeah. yeah, he was – yeah, there was – I mean, he that, that type of athlete is like once in a generation. Yeah. Maybe once in a lifetime. Type Quite of, possibly, yeah. <laughs> to be that good and to be that humble. Yeah. And to go out on your own terms. Yes. You know, not not chasing anything because you, you don't care about that. I mean, he cared about winning, and but he didn't care about the records. He could have owned the records had he continued to play. But oh. he didn't want not what he was about. Yeah. And know? if he was if he had the line that Dallas had, he would have had five to ten more yards or <laughs> five to ten more thousand yards. Yeah, definitely. How we doing on time here? Does it say? No, not yet. Okay, it's still going. But I mean, you know that that was the sports of our era. I mean, that's how. And you know, look at baseball. And for me, it was Kirk Gibson was Emil Wilcox are my favorite baseball players. Hmm. They played for the Tigers. <laughs> Yeah, and then except for when Gibson was with the Dodgers, and his most famous hit was a home run for the Dodgers. Yeah, when he couldn't even walk. Right. <laughs> but those are my favorites. I mean, but we had the team. We had you know Mil- Wilcox. We had Kurt Gibson. We had Alan Trammell. We had oh God, Lou Whitaker, uh, Lou Whitaker, Herndon, um, all these guys that were just they were all pretty humble athletes. Mm-hmm. Um. Granted, we also had, you know, what was it, that, that, uh, that closing pitcher, like the Morris, not Morris, um, the one before that, all that. I want to say they called him like the bird or something like that. Oh, Friedrich. Yeah, uh, he was a bit out there, yeah. <laughs> but he was good. Right. But, but it, it's interesting though. It's like when, um athletes from back then they went into you know they were we had them in in uh all sorts of things they were in our cartoons yeah you know they were they you know they rode with scooby-doo right and the harlem globetrotters yeah <laughs> you know i remember i remember when harlem globetrotters went to gilligan's island <laughs> yeah. and then somehow they got off the island but gilligan, gilligan. couldn't go with <laughs> right uh, it was. I mean, the '80s was just so full of pop culture, and it. I mean, yes, there's still a lot. Of, I, I want to say in the '90s, pop culture died off a little bit, but made a resurgence within the last 10 to 15 years. And it's weird because it. A lot of it is the resurgence of things that were from the '80s. Right. You know, a lot of this stuff has has been rebooted. You know, like GI Joe movies have come out. You know, there's. Uh, Hello Kitty and uh, My Little Pony, you know, Transformers. all the boys have come back. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, 
now, I mean, back in the eighties, you know, we had, we'd have stickers of all our favorite cartoon characters plastered all over everything, you know, our notebooks and shit like that. Um, but and we in, even had like two degrees of every type of cartoon because yeah. we had Garfield, which is the highbrow. And then we had Heathcliff, which was the cheaper books you bought at the dollar store. Then you right. had you know, the, the Smurfs and then you had the Snorks, which were the right. under the sea. So it's like, we had like two versions of everything. Right. It was like, it's like name brand and generic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we had the ultimate thing that was came out of the eighties in the Muppets. Oh. I don't know how we talk about the eighties without talking about the Muppets. <laughs> Some of the, the best movie cameos of all time have happened in their movies. Yeah. Well, in their TV shows that, my all-time favorite TV show was The Muppets with Alice Cooper. Oh, good episode. I was going to say the one with Steve Martin where he showed up and they weren't going to have a show. Right. Perform for the guys. <laughs> but he, I mean, that was great. I mean, and you know, that back then, Saturday Night Live was actually funny. <laughs> yeah. Because we went through the, we, we caught the end of the Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi and all that into the, um, Eddie Murphy, Joe Piscopo era. Yes. You know, which then evolved into like the Dana Carvey, Mike Myers. <laughs> and then it just. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's been a few, a few uh, character actors that have been on the show that have been funny, but o overall they haven't been that great. Right. I mean, you got somebody like Will Ferrell. He's good on the show. He's good in a supporting role, but please stop giving him his own movies. <laughs> because when he's the main star, he sucks. <laughs> That's just my opinion, but, you know. Right on. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have different opinions to it, but I just I just can't get into him. Mm. Love him as a supporting character. I think he's a great supporting character, one of the all-time best. It, you but, just put John C. Riley next to him, and I think he's gold. Yep, yep. I'm I'm good with that. Like Step Brothers. Yes. <laughs> yep. Just like but, cold case files. Yep. Or even he did good with uh oh Marky Mark. What? <laughs> oh, and like uh um the dad movie. Daddy's Gar home. Daddy's home. That's it. Yeah, but I mean he did good with him. But then again, he's not the main guy. They're they're together. It's a buddy right. comedy. He's playing the you straight man. Right. But let's. Let's stop making him his own, giving him his own movie because it just doesn't work. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it, I would be the same with John Belushi, honestly. And it's sad to say, cause he was just brilliant. But I think if he would like, um, the one movie he did with Margot Kidder when he was oh, a writer. Continental Divide. Yeah. It wasn't quite John Belushi. Yeah. It wasn't what anybody was expecting. No. Yeah. He, he didn't do bad in it, but it just it just wasn't it. Yeah. I I would I would agree with that. Now, put him in Animal House or was it 1941 or 1942? Yes. Those were great. He was a fantastic. But not on his own. <laughs> but you have certain actors like that. You know? And you know, that's another big rabbit hole. We just went down. <laughs> exactly. And that's the point of this podcast. And yes. I mean, I think that was great. I think, uh, I think we hit 
pretty much all the pop culture from our life. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what we did forget, though? We'll have to do it at the end of the show. <laughs> and maybe edit it into the beginning, our disclaimer. If you're easily offended, don't listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> it, exactly. Please, yes. So if you listened to all that and you got to this point, then you shouldn't have listened to the rest of that. You should have listened to this part first. Right. And we're sorry about that, but right. just remember for the next time that this part would be at the beginning. Right. Well, I mean, you know, there's a couple other things, you know. Um, I'm going to go back to, like, the catchphrase and stuff. Um, I'm an excellent driver. Wapner's on at 7 o'clock. Oh, definitely, yeah. Definitely. Rain Man, was a, <laughs> that's an iconic, well, going back to the Tom Cruise thing. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it was, it, I like the movies that he's in. Yeah. I just didn't care for I didn't care for Top Gun and the eyes wide shut. I I couldn't get through five minutes of it. That was, I can't see Kidman either. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of her, but uh, and it's weird because I don't think that movie turned out the way that Stanley Kubrick wanted it to. No, probably not. I before it was finished, and when it was released, I don't think that's the movie that he was envisioning. Right. Well, you know. We're going to talk a little bit about the 90s, so I'm going to jump into that again real quick. Because out of the 90s, my favorite movie from the 90s, The Crow. Okay. You know, I think that was the 90s. It might have been the early yeah. 2000s. But all those years run together for me. But to me, that was... I didn't even know it was a comic book movie when I watched it. Mm. But at the time it came out, it was probably the most successful comic book movie. Oh, Yeah. It you know, probably was the most successful one until Blade came out. Yeah, but it was a stand on its own. It didn't need to, you know anything to say, okay, this was a comic book movie. The story was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Brandon Lee did an incredible job until he died. Yeah. And then they had to put somebody else in there and superimpose his face over top of him. Yeah. But was, that that whole story about him dying is tragic because he dies the way that his father died. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, Bruce Lee said there was a curse on his family. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes you wonder. <laughs> exactly. But, all right. Well, so do we want to wrap? Let's see. I'm, I'm looking through my notes real quick. Uh, this is me turning pages. Sorry. I couldn't resist. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? What's that? The most iconic toy of the 80s. Oh. The Rubik's Cube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, too, because uh, the Rubik's Cube is one of these things where I I've still haven't solved it without tearing it apart. <laughs> but I've or never really spent the amount of time that's required or that now you can watch a YouTube video and learn how to do it in less than five minutes. Right. But I always get stuck in watching the ones where this kid solves three different size Rubik's cubes while holding his breath underwater at the same time. <laughs> well, and another thing the eighties were good for was, I mean, you look back to like the fifties and sixties and they tried sci-fi, you know, mm-hmm. you wasn't it, um, Danger Will Robinson. Didn't that come out in like the late 60s, early 70s? Yeah, the Lost Lost in Space. space. Yeah. Um, The 80s kind of took sci-fi to a new level. I mean, because 
with Star Wars and Star Trek, but there was more to it too. I mean, I had it and I lost it. Ugh, where'd it go? Looking through my notes real quick, trying to find well, there's, it. There was a bunch of different, um, they, with the sci-fi, they actually turned it into story. Because you had yeah. like Battlestar Galactica, you had V. Oh, yeah. Buck Rogers. Yeah, which were more story-driven as opposed to special effects-driven. And then they kind of got away with that in like the late 90s and early 2000s when they had been a CGI because they went away from story because they right. went back to just doing, it's like, let's wow us with the special effects. Right, right. But I mean, I, I, I remember my mom all the time, you know, when she'd get a little buzzed up, going, bitty, 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 book. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember that little robot's name from Buck Rogers, but <laughs> that's yeah. also where uh, um, Pam Dauber from Mork and Mindy went. Mm. <laughs> or Aaron Gray. Is that it? Aaron Gray. No, it was Aaron Gray because she was in that and then she was in Silver Spoons. Pam Dauber okay, was. Yeah, that'd be Aaron Gray. Yep. But they look really similar. <laughs> but. Yes, they do. All right, let's wrap this one up, take a quick break, and then we'll come back and do today's pop culture. Okay. Which will probably be much quicker. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Because I only have one page of notes of those instead of the five I had of these. Right on. All right. But I'm going to go have a smoke real quick, so I'm going to leave the call. Okay. And then... I'm going to stop recording, and then uh, I'll send you a link here in just a minute. Okay. I'll be back probably like 10 minutes. Perfect. Okay. Good. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.